Hey, hey, hey! Welcome, future fans, to Future Flicks with Billiam. We've been away for a week. I'm sorry that I went away with not even a tweet, but I took a personal week, and I am back. I am back with news. I am back with trailers. I am back with movies, both limited releases and wide releases. And I have the pick of the week, as always. We also have the question of the week, and I have to say I'm sorry that I did not tweet a reminder of the question. Uh, I had a, I think, too much of a break, so I forgot to do it before I recorded, so I apologize. But what do we have this week? This week we have a lot that's limited. We have two girls that see things, and we have Jaeger bombs. That's right. It's the week of March 23rd, 2018, and this is episode 83 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome to the show. Did you miss me? I know some of you missed me. And Herc, I'm sorry. I, I know you rely on all of your shows to, to get you through your workday. Of course, I don't actually know if you listen to the show while you're doing your awesome train stuff or if you're just driving to work. Because I don't know, can you listen to things when you're when you're driving a train or engineering a train or piloting, whatever the proper term is? I, I don't know. But Anyway, I'm sorry, but I am back, and I believe better than ever. I like to believe that every week, I am better than ever. And that is why some weeks I haven't done a show, because I was like, no, I, I won't be able to do a good job this week. And sometimes I know it. You know, sometimes you know. When you go and start to do something, you just know it's not going to turn out as good as it could be. So you're like, no, I will not do it, because I, I will not put out a product that's not the best it could be. I think that's right. There are enough negatives that, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I think I said that right. Either way, who am I and what are you listening to? If you're a return listener, thank you very much. As always, I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate that I have listeners. I appreciate that I have people that return after listening to my jibber jabber. I really appreciate it. And if you are new, welcome to the show. If I have not scared you away yet, then let me tell you what it is you're listening to. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam, which implies that thus... I am Billiam, and I talk about flicks from the future. Though I do not have a time machine, I do not have a crystal ball, no, 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 I have the internet, and I only talk about movies that are coming out this week. I also talk about any movie news and any trailers that had happened since the last episode. I review the movies based only on the trailers. I tell you what they're about, who's in them, and I give my thoughts on them, and I give it a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, or the Bill Score, which goes from a zero for the really terrible movies to an 11. So let's call it anywhere from Meet the Feebles to Citizen Kane. That is what we deal with here on Future Flicks. I also wrap it all up with a question of the week, which is a segment I will do as long as I can think of questions. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, when I can no longer think of original questions, then I will stop. Just stop that segment, not stop the show. This show is going on as long as you'll have me. Unless all the movies stop. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Anne, back there, who's uh, who's sitting 
on the bed watching YouTube. Thank you. But anyway, yes, we have some news to talk about. We have some trailers to talk about. A lot of trailers, actually, because I'm combining this week's and last week's. And we have quite a few movies. But we are going to start this show, as always, with the news. Ever since Frances McDormand urged people at the Academy Awards to include inclusion clauses in their contracts. Did you follow? Include inclusion contracts or clauses in their contracts. Other celebrities have followed suit. Deadline reported that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have agreed to make this a part of their future endeavors. And you know what? I actually support this. I really do. And I know I'm very outspoken when it when it comes to equality in movies, but that's because to a lot of people, equality doesn't mean everyone. It means just whatever group you're part of. That's what equality means to certain people. And that is what I speak up against. I want equality to mean everyone. Because think about it, with the last few movements we've had about equality and the Oscars, where was the shouting and yelling about Mexicans and Asians? Where were they? No, a couple years ago we had Oscars so white, this last year we had, we're all the women winners. And yes, I agree that we should celebrate everyone and everyone should be able to get nominated for and win an award regardless of gender, race, creed, anything, regardless of any of that shit. But I just get angry with hypocrites. So the, there are a lot of people that fell silent after their certain cause got noticed. So like, oh, we won. So it's still not equal to all these other people, but we won. So we'll shut the fuck up now. But this inclusion clause is supposed to include everyone. Let's have everyone be equal. That's everyone from a white male to a person, a female person of color, Ev everyone, gay, straight, whatever. And I like that, but I just hope that it also makes sense. So if there's some movie that takes place in Victorian England, I don't expect to see a diverse cast in that. And I better not see a diverse cast in that. If I see a movie that takes place in old time England, I better see a ton of white people. I think even I'm too Asian to be in a movie that takes place back then. And I'm only half. So I just hope that the inclusion clause works smart. So let's not throw a bunch of people who shouldn't belong in a certain setting into that setting. But if it takes place in like, let's say modern day New York, modern day London, modern day any big city, then yeah, a bunch of people. Let's just make it a virtual rainbow. Let's do that. I would very much like to see that. The next story, Artemis Fowl has begun principal photography. This is a movie based off the Oin Colfer book. I believe it's Oin, E-O-I-N, whatever it is, it's a weird name. And if you're from that country, I'm sorry. I am a crass American. Eon? Eoin? Either way, it's named off a series of books by the same name, Artemis Fowl. Uh, the first book, Artemis Fowl, is about Artemis Fowl. How many times can I say that? We'll see. Artemis Fowl kidnaps an elf and asks for a ransom of fairy gold. There's there's a lot more to the story. It's a, it's a good story. And just based off the basic premise, it's down, it sounds like stupid and childish, but there's a lot more to it. And I do believe it'll be spoilers because if you look at the synopsis, some of them, some of the synopsises tell you a lot more that you weren't revealed into the in the book until near the end. But anyway, Artemis is a child genius who kidnaps an elf and holds her ransom. That's just in the first book. This film will be directed by Kenneth Branagh, that's right, from Murder on the Orient Express. This has an August 2019 release date, and it's set to star Josh Gad, Dame Judi Dench, and Artemis will be played by a newcomer named Ferdia Shaw. And the final story 
is a sad one that you all already know, but I just want to mention it. Stephen Hawking passed away. He died on March 14th and he was 76. And while it is really sad that he passed, it's still amazing that he lived as long as he did. Because if you know anything about his disease, then you know what a true miracle it is that he lasted that long. And I know I only talk about people who died that are somehow involved in movies, and this guy has been. There was, of course, a theory of everything which was about him. And then he was also in quite a few documentaries, and then he was in TV shows like Star Trek TNG, Futurama, Big Bang Theory, and a lot more. So we'll end the news with that sad story. And I think you noticed that in two weeks, I only have three stories to talk about, and that's because nothing else really caught my eye. So as always, if you notice something you think I should have talked about it, let me know. But for now, we're going to step into everyone's favorite place next to Larry's Landlock Yacht Club, and that's the Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Trove. Alright everyone, we have a lot of trailers that dropped in the last two weeks. A lot of them. We have the first one is a full trailer for Borg vs. McEnroe. And I have to say, never have I cared more about tennis. I enjoy playing it. I really do. I enjoy watching it when I just happen to catch it on. But I'm actually really pumped for this movie. This one stars Swedish actor, and I'm going to butcher this, Sverir Gunnarsson, and also stars Shea LaBeouf. Goodnison plays, of course, Bjorn Borg, while LaBeouf plays the always angry John McEnroe. This comes out in April. There's a movie called Prospect that we got a first look at, and I must say it looks really good. The movie premiered at South by Southwest to rave reviews. This is a minimalist sci-fi movie that doesn't look like artsy bullshit. I was impressed with how it looked and how it was able to keep this alien world feel, even though if you sat back and stared, it was obviously filmed in forests here on Earth. I mean, of course the film was filmed on Earth, but it doesn't look like there was CG involved in it, so they're able to make stuff right here look alien without much help. Some douchey critics have already been talking about it and saying that Star Wars needs to take notes, but I I'm sorry, wh what was that? Those are two completely different beasts, you asshole. Maybe a Star Wars spinoff could have this look and feel, but not a main trilogy in the movie, not a movie about the Death Star plants, not a movie about Han Solo. Either way, this film looks good, and it has no release date as of yet. The House of Tomorrow is a little film starring Asa Butterfield, Alex Wolf, Nick Offerman, Ellen Burstyn, and Maude Apatow, and it looks really good. It looks really good. It's about this young man who lives a sheltered life thanks to his oddball aunt, and one day Sebastian, played by Butterfield, meets this young man who introduces him to the world through punk rock. It's a very basic story. We've seen it before. We've seen a lot of movies like this before. Someone sheltered, someone else introducing that person to the world and their friendship, but what's different is this has Asa Butterfield in it, and he is an amazing actor and I really want to see what he can do. One of my favorite shows on Netflix is coming back and it got a trailer as well. The Santa Clarita Diet Season 2 is coming back to the flicks on March 23rd. If you haven't watched Season 1, I highly recommend it. It's a dumb comedy, but not as dumb and tired as the old sh** they play on CBS and NBC. It's actually good. 
we finally have a look at a movie that I've been excited for since it was announced, and I must say that it shows a lot of promise. We have a teaser for Christopher Robin. No, 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 not Goodbye Christopher Robin from last year. This is a completely different movie. This film is about a grown-up Christopher Robin who has become an adult with a crushed soul thanks to work. Yes, work. That thing that makes life so sh**. And one day, some of his old friends show up to remind him that life has more to offer. Pooh, Tigger, Owl, Eeyore, Rabbit, Piglet, and Kanga show up. This is yet another story that's been done before. But what makes this one different is that it's never been done with these characters before. This kind of has a hook feel for me, though with the magic of Winnie the Pooh. This stars Ewan McGregor as Christopher Robin, and Jim Cummings is returning as the voice of Winnie the Pooh. The Grinch is not only a movie that didn't need another iteration, but it also didn't need a mediocre trailer. It's done by Illumination, who I think is honestly in the fight for second place with, of course, Pixar, Disney Pixar up first, and they are in the fight with DreamWorks. But this film looks so bad. It looks like it's way too much. They took the basic story of The Grinch and just added stupid shit to it. Yeah, I'll watch this eventually, because I eventually watch Christmas movies, even the ones that look sh**. But I will not see this in theaters, and this is coming out on November 9th, a whole month away from Christmas. Okay, I get it. I get it. There are some reasons that these companies choose to release Christmas movies before Thanksgiving, but it's still stupid. I would rather have seen an original story that just had similarities to The Grinch. Would I have bitched about the similarities to The Grinch? Maybe. But at least I would have looked upon the movie more kindly. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, lo and behold, we finally have a full trailer for Fantastic Beasts 2, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I say finally because last week there was a trailer released, and I consider the use of the word trailer to be very generous. It was just really some words that announced the trailer was coming soon, coupled with pictures from the book. And I mean, really? Well, the trailer dropped, and it looks fantastic. I can't wait. It's been so long since the first one that I figured I wouldn't care. I, I've kind of lost interest. But then I saw it. We finally saw Jude Law's young Dumbledore. We see Newt back again, along with Tina and Jacob. There's no sign of Queenie in the trailer, but according to her IMDb page, she'll return as well. This has a release date of November 16th. Avengers Infinity War has a new trailer, and this one looks so much better. I mean, it looks immensely better than the first ones. And I did enjoy the first ones, but I think seeing the characters interact more gives me hope that it won't be some giant cluster f It looks like each person will get their screen time because they're all mashed up nicely and mixed appropriately. So how it'll probably work out is that everyone is in a group and then they get screen time all together and then like somewhere past the halfway point in the movie they'll each get their time to shine with the biggest of them like Captain America and Iron Man getting the biggest and most important scenes. This has a new release date of April 27th. There's two more trailers left in the trove. We have a trailer for Melissa McCarthy's new movie, and it isn't a comedy. Well, maybe a dark comedy, but it seems like it's more of a drama. 
So drama first with dark comedy a close second. This is based off the true story of biographer Lee Israel, who one day finds herself broke and almost homeless as people will no longer buy her books. People want gossip in their biographies, and hers are too wholesome. She resorts to forging and stealing letters written by dead celebrities, and back then of celebrities as in writers, painters, people like that, and selling them to libraries and museums. I had originally thought that this was an idea taken from an episode of Law and Order, uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent to be exact, an episode with Stephen Colbert, but it turns out that they probably took the idea from Lee Israel, as in Law and Order CI took the idea themselves. This movie is called Can You Ever Forgive Me? and it comes out on October 19th. And the main character from Detergent has a new movie, and I watched the trailer with an open mind, and guess what? It doesn't look bad. It's called Adrift, and it's based on the true story, another true story here, the true story of two people who are sailing a boat for, on a 4,000-mile journey, and they get caught in Hurricane Raymond, and they are left adrift. I was actually quite impressed with Shailene Woodley uh, because she actually acts in this one. But to be fair, I haven't seen all of her movies. I haven't seen Fault in Our Stars, which she's supposed to be really good in, but it looks like she's doing a lot better in this one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the trailer trove. Let's step into our first break as we hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. We'll be right back. Are you troubled by a lack of common interest in your social sphere? Do you experience feelings of nostalgic sentiment in your day-to-day -day life? Do your family or coworkers not understand your quotes, quips, or references? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and download the nerdiest professionals in the galaxy. Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Our nerdy and informative hosts are available 24 hours a day on your favorite podcast app to fill all your super nerdy needs. Good, Good journey, nerds. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Future Flicks with Billiam, and Nerds of the Squared Circle on iTunes, SoundCloud, your favorite podcast app, or stream us at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone, welcome back. How, how do you like those revolving Somewhat Nerdy Radio ads? Uh, it changes things up, right? Well, anyway, before we get into the bulk of the movies coming out, or at least the big movies coming out, I want to talk about some limited releases, and I'm doing that segment again that's not really a segment but it is these are movies that are getting really limited releases either super limited like one of them is only new york or la and some of them just aren't big enough for me to do a full thing about so i'm going to just tell you what the name of the movie is i'm going to tell you the premise and if anyone of note is in it and that's it. So if you hear anything interesting, just, um, you know what? Look it up. The first limited release is a movie called Ismail's Ghost. It's a, about a filmmaker's life is set into a tailspin by the return of a former lover, just as he's about to start shooting a new film. This stars Marion Cotillier and a bunch of French people. Next up is a movie called What We Started. This is a documentary about electronic dance music, or EDM, and it follows Carl Cox, a veteran of the genre and Martin Garrix, a newcomer. We have another movie called Beauty and the Dogs. If you live in New York or LA, you'll be able to catch screenings of this Tunisian film about a student who leaves a party with a strange man and must fight for her rights and her dignity. I'm assuming something pretty shitty happens and she must fight laws that are basically written to give men the upper hand. Next up, a movie called Getting Grace. 
Grace is dying of cancer, so she crashes a funeral home to find out what will happen to her after she dies, and she ends up teaching the awkward funeral director how to celebrate life. Aww. This stars Daniel Roebuck from The Man in High Castle, and sounds like utter sh**. A Bag of Marbles is the next movie, The Adventures of a Jewish Kid and His Brother Who Are Trying to Escape Nazi Persecution in Occupied France. Gonna be a happy movie. Barrel of laughs for everyone. No, no, it's not. It's gonna be depressing. Back to Burgundy is the next movie that's going to get a very limited release. This is a French film about a man who returns to his hometown when his father falls ill and reunites with his sister and brother. They must rebuild their relationship and trust as a family again. So basically, this is a French version of This Is Where I Leave You. There you go. Just watch This Is Where I Leave You and you've seen the movie. Final Portrait is the second to last limited release this week. This is the story of painter and sculptor Alberto Giacometti. And it stars Jeffrey Rush from The King's Speech, Army Hammer from The Man From U.N.C.L.E., Clemens Posey from Harry Potter, and Tony Shalhoub from Monk. And finally, we have a movie called Hitchkey. This is an Indian movie that presents a positive and inspiring story about a woman who turns her biggest weakness into her biggest strength. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the limited releases. Just remember, I didn't talk a lot about them because they're not getting wide releases at all. If one interests you, just look into it. I didn't want to have a two-hour episode because I talked about all of these movies. Let us get into the first movie of the week, which is a wider release than all the others I've just talked about. That movie is called Paul, Apostle of Christ. This movie follows Luke, who goes on a journey to find Paul and learn his story, believing that the world needs to hear it now more than ever. This stars James Faulkner from Game of Thrones and Jim Cleviezel from Passion of the Christ. And no, Jim Cleviezel isn't reprising his role as Christ, he's actually playing Luke in this one. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you have heard me bitch and complain about these movies that belong in megachurches, these movies that are just really bad and are made just to be played in churches so people can say they saw a new movie, people who don't like the negativity of Hollywood and who only want to hear stories from God and not that there's anything wrong with them. When I make fun of them or if I slight them on the show, I'm not doing it from a place of hate. I'm doing it because... You know what? Making fun of things is fun. Go figure, right? But there is a line. Just don't be a huge dick about it. And I don't believe I reached that line. I believe I stayed just under it. But this movie, I believe, belongs in a theater. I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think this is a movie that everyone needs to rush and see, which is why it's not the pick. But this looks better than a lot of Christian films. This is a Christian film, not just because of the subject matter, but because of the companies behind it. But the difference is, this one looks so much better than a lot of the others. Especially the God's Not Dead series and, uh, and movies like that. Those look like complete sh**. I, I will always ignore those movies when they come out. Unless, magically, they make one look good. But until then, we have a movie like this. This one is a little more historical. This isn't the same old tired story of someone losing their faith and then getting their faith renewed because uh, the Lord works in mysterious ways. This is a story of the Apostle Paul, who was once the most infamous persecutor of Christians who became one of Jesus's most influential apostles. And while, yes, I used to be a Sunday school teacher, I, I actually never taught on Paul. Or spoke on Paul. It was mainly about Jesus and don't be a dick. Hey kids, today's lesson, don't be a dick. Or you, you silly 
don't be a dick. Now I taught kindergarten to like second grade or something. So it was, it was very basic lessons about kindness. And yes, whenever a movie like this comes out, I do mention the fact that I am Christian because it's, it's important that I point out the fact that I, I am looking at this from an objective standpoint. I am looking at movies like this as a movie and not going, well, I believe in God. So this is going to be a great movie. If you need belief in a higher power to enjoy a movie, then it is not a good movie. I am sorry. This one looks like it'll be a better movie than a lot of the Christian films we see coming out. I truly believe that though still not interesting for an atheist or a Buddhist, maybe, or a Muslim or anyone else, unless you're just into biblical lore, because you don't have to be a Christian to be interested in the story from the or stories from the bible at the end of the day this is an ultimately skippable story unless you really want to see this or a skippable movie that is if you want to know the story just pick up a bible they're everywhere you can get them for free for the love of god never purchase a bible unless there's some really fancy edition you want any hotel room you go in should have one and they honestly do want you to take it it's not just an old joke there are websites and phone numbers you can call to get free uh, free bibles sure they might hit you up with spam later but who doesn't spam you and I believe this is going to be one of the cases of a movie being better than the book because the Bible is just the stories. It doesn't try to go into detail. So this will be more entertaining to watch. On a spiritual level, though, I believe the Bible will win. But let's finish talking about this. This looks like it has good, uh, good acting in it. Looks like it was written well. It looks like there's at least some production value. So it doesn't look like some sad sack of movie. It looks basic. Paul, Apostle of Christ, gets a five out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, next up on this week's list of movies, we have a film called Midnight Sun. A 17-year-old girl suffers from a condition that prevents her from being out in the sunlight. So instead, she goes out at night and that's where she lives her whole life. One day, she meets the boy of her dreams and the two challenge each other to chase their dreams. This stars Bella Thorne from Scream the TV series, Patrick Schwarzenegger from Arnold's Loins, Rob Riggle from 21 Jump Street, and Paul McGillan from Stargate Atlantis. Normally, I do more research into movies that I care a lot about. Uh, for movies like Paul Apostle Christ and the next few movies, I, I just look a little bit into it, find out the basics, anything interesting, who's in it, all that good stuff. This one I actually spent a good 15-20 minutes looking into because of someone on the website Goodreads. Here's how I got there. Anne assumed... And I 100% agreed with her assumption that this was based off a YA novel because it sounds like it sounds like that sort of thing. So when I looked it up, I found that this was based on a book by Trish Cook. So I clicked on the Goodreads link and one of the top questions about the book was, hey, is this book inspired by a Japanese movie of the same name? So I looked up that Japanese movie and lo and behold, in 2006, there's a Japanese movie called Tayo no Uta, also known as Song to the Sun or Midnight Sun, depending on where it was released, but it's the same movie. It's about this girl with this disease who can't leave her house except at night, and it's everything's the same. So originally, first off, my thought was we had an American author ripping off a idea from another country, maybe thinking they wouldn't get caught. But the more I looked into it, the more I saw that the book is, it seems like its own thing. It looks like a novelization, actually. Because, you know, sometimes a movie comes out like an original movie and then they'll novelize it 
because maybe someone would want to read it. I, I don't know why. But they tapped the skill of a small-time YA novelist to write the book to go along with the movie. So on IMDb and every other site I found, this movie 100% credits the Japanese film as being the inspiration. And then they just got this woman to write the novelization. And good, good for her. Cool. I mean, she's writing something that's, that's becoming popular. It's like uh, number five in the teen literature section of Amazon, which is impressive. But the, some, the thing that bothered me about it is that nowhere in the description from the book, maybe it says it on the book itself. Okay, so maybe it says that. But at least in the description on Amazon, nowhere does it credit the original author, which was a person who wrote the, the screenplay for Tayo no Uta. So either that part was an, was an oversight by Amazon or, you know, I don't know what, but I'm going to stop talking about that and talk about the movie. We've seen this movie before. We, we've seen it a million times. And you will hear me say that, and sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. If types of if these types of movies are your jam, then the fact that we've seen this movie before is good for you. Because you like these movies, so go see this. If you liked Everything Everything, Fault in Our Stars, The Space Between Us, A Walk to Remember, if you liked books, I mean, movies like that, then you should go, yeah, I want to see this movie because this is my jam. It's my sh**. If you're like me and just thought those movies were okay, but didn't really, you know, wasn't really wowed, then you may want to skip it, watch it later or skip it entirely. In fact, hey, watch the original, watch the Japanese movie. If you do want to watch this, sure, go for it. But as for me, this doesn't look that interesting. I don't like Bella Thorne. I've, I don't hate her. I just don't like her. Patrick Schwarzenegger, I haven't seen him in enough. Rob Riggle, I like, but he's just, he's a small role. He's the father, so... This doesn't make me want to go and see see it for him. No matter what way I spin this, this movie just looks mediocre, and I can't recommend seeing it. If you do want to watch it, if something about it resonated with you, just wait. Wait for home. Wait till you can stream it. Midnight Sun gets a 4.5 out of 11. All right, everyone. Next up, we have a movie called Unsane. A young woman seeks help after being relentlessly stalked by a man. She goes to what she believes is a support group, but finds herself involuntarily admitted into an insane asylum. While inside, she starts to question everything, especially when her stalker turns out to be one of the aides. Was it all ever real, or is it all the man's plot against her? This stars Claire Foy from The Crown, and is directed by Steven Soderbergh, who did Traffic and Aaron Brockovich. When I first watched the trailer, I was a little taken aback because I was prepared for a Steven Soderbergh film, or Soderbergh, but what I saw looked like, you know, whenever a really bad quality movie comes out, I, I always say, well, looks like the director just walked into Best Buy and bought a camera there. That's what it kind of looks like. And... And that threw me because we are used to a certain quality of uh, of visuals from movies we watch. Unless you're a fan of low budget horror, of course, then you're probably used to it. But for the rest of us who don't dabble in that, you may take one look at this trailer and you'll notice something's wrong. But of course, that fits with the premise. Something's wrong. Something's wrong in this woman's life. And is she going crazy or is it all a plot against her? Is it this guy finally winning? Is she now stuck in this asylum? Okay, well, I say asylum, but it's nothing that epic. It's just, you know, a mental health ward. So is she stuck in this mental health ward right where this guy wants her? And 
While I could say plenty of good things about this movie, I could also focus on the fact that this whole film will feel like Shutter Island just didn't take its medication and has gone off its rocker. So if you ever watch Shutter Island, you know that feeling of what's what's real, what's not, who's going crazy, who's the actual crazy one, oh my god, do will we ever find out an answer? So just take that whole feeling, turn it up to 11, and I think that's the kind of feeling we're going to get from this movie, just the whole time. And I wouldn't call Soderbergh a artsy director, but I think he's more prone to that stuff than, say, Steven Spielberg or Peter Jackson, people like that. So it could very well be that we may not never know. It could be the end of the movie. We could walk away and still never know. Was she crazy or was this was this all not in her head and really this guy finally getting her? And so now before you watch this, you should ask yourself, do you like these kind of movies? Do you like the kind of movie where you are never sure what's going on? That's going to keep you guessing the whole time and not just because it was well written per se, but just because they never give you enough information and you can never really trust what the main character sees. If that's your kind of movie, then this looks like a really good one. Then I suggest you see this eventually. If it's really your sh then you should go see this in theaters. If it's not your jam, if it's not something you really love, if it's even just mildly interesting, then you should wait to see it at home. But for a lot of you, you're not going to want to see this because movies like this make you uncomfortable. And I understand that. So when it comes to seeing this in the theater, I'm going to have to say pass. I'm going to have to say 100% pass. But whether or not you watch it at home, that is entirely up to you. Unsane gets a 5.5 out of 11. And you know what? I just have to say the title makes me think of The Simpsons. And, you know, I was never a huge Simpsons fan, but certain jokes have always stuck with me on The Simpsons. And one of them is when Ralph Wiggum fails English and he go and he says, me fail English. That's impossible. That's what this title makes me think of the whole time. And maybe that is one thing that kept me from taking it too seriously. I don't know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have four movies left. So, you know what? Why don't we take a break? Let's go on a break, shall we? Let's hear a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle and the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Starf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling do you like wrestling yeah. yeah then you should listen to our podcast do you not like wrestling you should still listen to our podcast someone to read a comms nerds in the squared circle subscribe to us on itunes or your favorite podcast app today nerds in the squared circle on someone there are several ways to raise money for a good cause some do it by running marathons some host high dollar dinners and some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall -wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast on iTunes. 
iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Welcome back to the show. The next movie on our list is one that I actually referenced two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. I forgot when it was, but now it's finally coming out. And here we go. That movie is called Sherlock Gnomes. Gnomeo and Juliet recruit the famous detective Sherlock Gnomes to investigate the mysterious disappearance of other garden gnomes. This features the voices of Emily Blunt, Johnny Depp, Michael Caine, James McAvoy, Chuyatel Ejiofor, Maggie Smith, Stephen Merchant, Mary J. Blige, and Ozzy Osbourne. So see, this is the celebrity lineup you can expect when you have a bigger movie, not like, um, what was the last one from a couple weeks ago? No Malone. But of, of course, you have to notice the difference. When Disney Pixar releases a movie, they do have celebrities, but they don't jam it full of them. But they leave that more to DreamWorks and Illumination. And now we can add Paramount Animation to the mix because this is a Paramount movie. And this is also an animated film, which means that it's something families can go see. And that's really all I'm going to suggest this for. Just families, if you have young children and you want to take them out for a nice, nice day, go see this. Because it does look like it could be entertaining. It looks like an adult can go in there and not die of complete boredom. There'll be some jokes, some adult jokes that will fly right over the heads of your kids and that you'll get and laugh at, but it won't be good enough to go see on your own. This isn't going to be of the caliber that we're used to from Pixar, DreamWorks, and Illumination. This comes in close, but it just doesn't quite get there. It just leaves me a little little wanting. I, I wish there was a little more. The jokes were a little too easy, and it's true, in a lot of cartoons, in a lot of animated kids' movies, we see easy jokes low-hanging fruit but there's also more in other films that this one didn't quite give us and it's true i haven't seen the movie so maybe it's a comic masterpiece but they didn't do a good job of showing it in the trailer so going just off the trailer i have to say this looks mediocre it looks like it'll be okay it'll be fun to watch but you shouldn't put a lot of effort into seeing it because it doesn't it didn't do a good enough job to drag me in to pull me in to get my attention and if it can't do that, then it doesn't deserve to be seen. That Then that is the cold truth. Sherlock Gnomes gets a 6 out of 11. And ladies and gentlemen, I have to be honest. I mixed up my final three movies and even my pick a couple times this week because I had to balance a couple things. As you know, fun is always a big deal to me when it comes to movies. In my opinion, the most watchable movies in theaters are those that are really fun and visually pleasing or those that are really good that while they'll still be good on your tv at home you just have to see in the theaters because they're those movies that are surefire oscar contenders there were three movies this week that are worthy of being my pick and i was for a while thinking of doing a dual pick week and doing two of them and then i after i after i rewatched the trailers for all these movies i realized it it was really hard it was really hard for me to pick my pick now wasn't my pick originally when i started my notes and i also decided not to do a dual or even a three pick week because i i wanted to challenge myself to if i had to pick one movie, what would it be? So I'll tell you what movie it wasn't, but a movie that's still worthy of being a pick, a movie that's still worth seeing, and that movie is called Isle of Dogs. 
All dogs in Japan are sent to a remote, garbage-covered island after the government decides it's best for the public due to overpopulation of dogs and an outbreak of dog flu. A young boy travels to the island alone in search of his loyal dog. Along the way, he meets a group of dogs who decide to help him. This is a stop-motion animated movie by Wes Anderson, featuring the voices of Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Bob Balaban, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Greta Gerwig, Francis McDormand, Scarlett Johansson, F. Murray Abraham, Yoko Ono, Harvey Keitel, Fisher Stevens, Ken Watanabe, and Liv Schreiber. Oh, oh, and also Courtney B. Vance and Tilda Swinton. So we, we have a combination of things here, don't we? We have an animated film. Now we have a Wes Anderson film. Wes Anderson has done animation before. He's done the fantastic Mr. Fox, which if I remember at the time, didn't do very well, but it's now one of those cult classics. One of those movies people go, oh, you haven't seen Fantastic Mr. Fox? What's wrong with you? You have to watch it. As far as a family movie goes, even though this is animated, I'm, I'm not sure if I would recommend this as a family film. After all, it is rated PG-13, and depending on your parenting style, or even your views as a parent, that could be okay. That could be fine for little kids. But here on this show, I'm going to base off the assumption that you are following the guidelines. So maybe if you have older kids, this would be a better film for you. Or maybe you just want to watch a Wes Anderson film. This is the film for you. This movie looks really good, and even though it didn't make it as my pick of the week, shouldn't take anything away from it. In fact, if you want to go against my pick of the week and see this instead, I 100% understand. This film and the next two movies, like I said, are all worthy of it. Did you like Rushmore, The Royal Tannenbaums, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, The Darjeeling Unlimited, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest Hotel? Then you'll love this. It's what we expect from Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson is very reliable when it comes to being Wes Anderson. That may be an obvious thing to say, but think about other directors who aren't as consistent. Look at Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, The Frighteners, The Lovely Bones, King Kong, sure, f***ing awesome. The Hobbit, Meet the Feebles, shitty movies. But even though Wes Anderson, not all of his movies are great, he's at least consistent, so his fans still love the movies. Whereas I dare any Peter Jackson fan to look me in the eye and tell me Meet the Feebles or The Hobbit were good, because they're not. You are going to see a reliable movie if you see Isle of Dogs. That is a Future Flicks with Billiam guarantee. This movie is going to be good. It's going to be enjoyable. I just think the pick of the week is going to be better. But remember, folks, even if you see this movie instead of the pick of the week, you'll see a good movie. Isle of Dogs gets an 8 out of 11. And ladies and gentlemen, the next movie you knew I was talking about this week, and maybe you even assumed it was the pick of the week, and I hate to disappoint you, but it is not. This movie doesn't look as good as Isle of Dogs or the pick of the week. The only reason it was going to be the pick of the week was because of the fun factor, the wow factor. And that was it. The next movie on the list is called Pacific Rim Uprising. A new generation of Jaeger pilots must be trained in the face of a new threat from the Kaiju. This stars John Boyega from Attack the Block, Rinko Kikuchi from The First Pacific Rim, Scott Eastwood from The Fate of the Furious, Tian Jing from The Great Wall, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and Bern Gorman from Torchwood. This is where the balance is, folks. This really, this movie is a perfect example that if I was going just off the quality of movie, 
this movie would have been farther down the list. It would not even have made it near the front. But just because I think it's going to be fun and flashy and entertaining, that's why it was the pick of the week up until just a little while ago when I rewatched the top three trailers. And I had to go with my gut and change my mind on what the pick is. I think this is going to be a fun film. It will be enjoyable. And because remember, folks, a movie doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be good in a critical sense to be a good movie. That's the key reason I hate critics. Everyone knows this. They've talked about it on Somewhat Nerdy Radio. They've talked about it on the Watch Your Mouth podcast. My friends give me for it all the time. My fiance, my parents, everyone brings it up that, oh, you're a critic too. Okay, yes. Yeah, maybe technically I am. But I just don't like grouping myself with those people who can't understand that sometimes fun is enough. And that's what makes this movie enough. It looks fun. We have all seen the trailers. If you have been to a big budget blockbuster film in the past four months, you've seen this trailer. It's been everywhere. They have been hyping this movie for a while now. This looks good. The CG looks good. And the story, it seems fine. Basically, the story is the kaiju are back. We didn't kill them like we thought we did. And they've evolved. So now we must evolve. But somehow, the same old Jaegers are the only one who can save us. Or the only ones who can save us. And it's okay to me that we have a new cast. Or at least half a new cast. We have some returning characters, some brand new characters. And that's fine. I just hope they answer the question, where is Rayleigh? Or Rally? How'd you, I forgot how you say Ch Charlie Hunnam's character's name. But where is he when Mako Mori is still there? Why is Aegis Elba not there? I think we know that, but this is exactly the kind of movie where it's okay if they have little hiccups in the story. Of course, if I write a review on it, I will zero in on it, I will point it out, but of course we're going to be a little more forgiving because this is a movie about giant f***ing robots. We want big robots, we want to see them fight gigantic monsters, that's what we see these movies for. If you are watching this movie to see a thought-provoking and fully fleshed out story, then you have seen the wrong movie. If you watch this movie to watch something fun and flashy, then you have picked the right movie. So if you see a movie this week, your pick 100% depends on what you're in the mood for. A stylized animated film, a stylized animated comedy by Wes Anderson, should I be more precise, then pick Isle of Dogs. If you want to watch a giant blockbuster, watch Pacific Rim Uprising. If you want to watch something else, maybe watch the pick of the week. Pacific Rim Uprising gets a 7.5 out of 11. And with that, it is time for the pick of the week. And I will be impressed if any of you know without looking it up what the pick of the week is. Because if you had guessed Pacific Rim Uprising, that's a little obvious. I mean, that, that pick would have been a little more obvious, but this one, maybe not so much so. I haven't seen it advertised a lot. I've only seen the trailer in two of the recent movies I've seen. And the only other time I saw the trailer was when it, when the trailer first dropped and I talked about it in the trailer trove. Yar. Trailer trove. Yar. No? Not the right time? Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about the pick of the week. And the pick of the week for this episode is I Kill Giants. Barbara Thornson is a young girl struggling through life and she escapes into a fantasy world where she fights monsters. But the question is, is this all in her head? Or are the monsters real? This stars Madison Wolf from The Conjuring 2, Zoe Saldana from Guardians of the Galaxy, and my favorite named actress ever, Imogen Poots. 
from Green Room. And this was originally the third. This was originally third place when I when I did my show notes the first time. And then when I watched the trailers before I record, like I normally do to refresh my memory, uh, something about it spoke to me and this movie became my pick of the week. I think this looks really good. We ha- we have a couple different stories going on here. So we have the story of Barbara fighting these giants, of this little girl, okay, maybe not terribly little, early teens maybe, maybe 13, something like that. Fighting giants, making these crazy contraptions to fight giants, and then also fighting them with this giant sledgehammer thing she has. We have the fact that she is going through something and she has seen a school psychologist or something. So we have the question being asked, is it real or is it just fantasy? Is she caught in a landslide? Is there no escape from reality? Who knows? Time will tell. You know who knows? People who have read the graphic novel called I Kill Giants by Ken Nimura. This movie is based on that. This comes to us from a director that I've never heard of before, Anders Walter, who really hasn't done much or anything of note, but it's also produced by the production company 1482 Productions, which is Chris Columbus's company. Chris Columbus is the director of the first two, first two or three Harry Potter films. Also producer on The Help and Rent. He's going to be the producer of the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. He directed the Percy Jackson movies too. Home Alone 2 and Home Alone he directed. He knows what he's doing. And that's why I think it doesn't necessarily matter so much that we have an unknown director. At least that's why it didn't affect my score. Because remember, an unknown, an unknown director could be fine. But when I'm doing my score, I I take things into account like what the trailer, how the trailer looks, first of all, and also the pedigree of the people working on it. If it's directed by someone who does shitty work, like Eli Roth, then I will probably dock the points a bit. But this movie looks like it's in good hands, and it also looks like it's really good. A great mix of a dramatic story of this girl who's obviously going through something and escapes that world by fighting these monsters. But are the monsters just going to be the escape? Are they 100% fabricated? Are they just in her imagination? Or is there some truth to it? And that's what I love. I love the fact that even if there is truth to it, even if she is really defending our world from giants, she could still be a hurt little girl going through something who needs some help and will hopefully get some help by the school psychiatrist. So just because the monsters may be real doesn't mean that she can't also be hurting and needing an escape. Or she could be fighting fake monsters. It could be all in her head and she's okay She's not going crazy, and she's just misunderstood. This movie can go any way, and I really like that. It looks well acted. It looks well written. It looks visually pleasing when it needs to be. It's not the greatest CGI I've ever seen. It's not It's not Pacific Rim Uprising standards, but it looks good. And when everything comes together, I think this movie is going to be the best one of the week, which is why it's my pick. The story can go a million different ways. And it looks fun and enjoyable. That is why I Kill Giants is the Future Flicks pick of the week. And I Kill Giants gets a 10 out of 11. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the question of the week that has been sitting around for two weeks. And once again, I apologize for not tweeting out a reminder of the question of the week. But before we get into last week's question of the week, we have an amended answer from my question of regarding animal movies. Fratman answered, and he said, amended from last week, Fievel goes west and follow that bird. Follow that bird, of course, a Sesame Street movie where Big Bird is sent away from Sesame Street and 
then runs away from the foster home and all the Sesame Street gang goes to look for him. I mean, I was two when the movie came out, but I saw it later when I, when I was just a little older. Not, not too much older. But if you remember my question from last week, I didn't think I would get very many answers. And we got an answer from Brian Q, so thank you. Thank you very much for answering. And of course me. And Anne has an answer too, so technically three. Woo! Three. Let's start with Brian Q's answer. He said, first, a movie that was better than the book, Moby Dick. The movie is about a man hunting a deadly whale, and the book is an allegory about man's search for God. He goes on to say, my answer is Ulysses. I started reading it 10 years ago, and I'm still only a third of the way through. And here I thought I read slow. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I understand where you're coming from, though. And I actually applaud you for keeping going. By this point, I would have put the book down and just went, nope. But I guess you really want to finish it. And he goes on to say, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is interesting. The book is told through the eyes of the schizophrenic Indian, and the movie is told through the eyes of McMurphy. Also, The Princess Bride is a read-along. It, it, yeah, it is. It's fun. Anyway, good answers. Thank you very much for that. Let's go on to what Anne has to say. She says, Half Bad by Sally Green. Apparently, it's a book about a boy who is kidnapped by witches. He's half white witch, half black witch, and his father's known as the most evil black witch ever. And now the boy is caught in the middle and is kept captive. And she had problems with it because it was written in a very confusing way, switching between first person and second person with not even a clear cut boundary on where one starts when the other begins. And she admits that it would be an interesting idea to see. And here's my answer. The Name of the Wind and The Wise Man's Fear, the whole King Killer Chronicle series, even though it's the series that isn't finished yet, and it may not ever finish if Patrick Rothfuss doesn't get off his dead ass, but I, I kind of enjoyed the books, but my problem was that, was that he's such a long-winded author. It's like one section was really cool and then just went on and on and on. I'm like, I f***ing get it. This fairy queen is hot as hell. He is having sex with her and somehow has to escape without being killed. I get it. You have you have shown us all those things. Now you just keep going. And oh, he's at school. He's smarter than everyone else, but he's still looked down upon. He's getting picked on by this rich asshole. And it keeps going and going and going. The book should should actually be about two thirds of the size it is with the rest of the bullshit cut out. And I would very much like to see it as a movie just to cut out all the useless shit. I would actually love it then. The way it is now, I just tolerate it. I read the books once. I will never read them again. I could not finish the slow regard of silent things because A, it's the most uninteresting character in the series. And then B, it's written from her point of view. And she's bat crazy. So no, Patrick Rothfuss is overrated as far as I'm concerned. I would much rather see it as a movie. So I had trouble coming up with a question for this week. So I just went to a question that I, I've just asked before and has been asked of me. And it's movie related. So here we go. Your life is being turned into a movie. Who plays you? So you could go the route of you just want to pick your favorite actor or actress to play you. You could go the part of someone who looks just like you. You could go any number of ways. And I want to hear what you have to say. If you have never answered the question of the week before, now is a great time to start. You know what? It's never too late. Go back to when I started it, whenever the hell that was. And, and answer all of them if you want. I will talk about them as Herc very well knows. I will talk about them. Give me all the answers you want. So let's finish this up with the closing housekeeping. But actually, let me reiterate the question of the week. 
Who would play you in a movie about your life? Well, let's finish this up. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. And I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars. And then you can leave a comment. Tell me what you really think. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And then leave a comment for me on SoundCloud as well. Answer the question of the week. Tell me, did I miss any news stories or trailers you think I should have talked about? And how else can you reach me? So besides SoundCloud, there's a Somewhat Nerdy website and Facebook page. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. And you can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle shows also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network and the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, Great Friends of the Show, this show's official bromance. Don't forget to bother Ken to make sure that he has started to watch his movies for the challenge. And please don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future. <laughs>